We're in the third week of our current series for the new year. We're looking at how we absolutely need other people to grow and become the very best version of ourselves we can be. New Year's resolutions are great for sure, but one of the best resolutions you and I could ever make is to increasingly surround ourselves with the right people. And here's why. If you more and more surround yourself with the right people, you'll find yourself making better decisions, choosing better choices, finding better outcomes. At the end of the day, your growth in your family, in your marriage, at work, or at school, as well as in your faith life, are all based on surrounding yourself with the right people. From scientific studies and from God's Word, we know that the happiest, the most satisfied, and the most successful people learn to connect with others and engage with people in ways that build healthy relationships. A healthy relationship is one in which you can both give and receive grace and truth. And here's an important note getting started. We don't need just one or two such relationships. We need a team of people. We need a network of people who can help us become who God created us to be and who we really want to be. Just as your body needs various nutrients from different kinds of foods, we need different kinds of relationships too. We develop and invest in relationships in which we both give and receive grace and truth. So through the course of this series, we're describing how to identify, find, and maintain those relationships. Our hope for you and our belief is that many of the relationships you need are available to you right here in our parish. That's why we're encouraging everyone in the parish to get into a small group this Lent just for Lent. Next week is one of our biggest weekends of the year. It's our small group launch weekend. It's when you sign up for your group and you get your book. Everyone who signs up for a small group or is already in a group gets a free copy of our new book, Rebuild Faith, which will form the content for the seri series and, and the season. Groups begin meeting the week of February 10th and 11th. This week, we're just asking you to start thinking about identifying a time in your schedule. We're talking about 75 to 90 minutes once a week for six weeks to carve out for a group experience. Also, be thinking about the type of group you'd like to join too. You can check it all out online. That's churchnativity.com slash groups. Essentially, there are four major categories of relational nutrients we need. Last week, we looked at the first of four. We need people who can provide wisdom and insight. Wisdom and insight we don't currently have. We all come into life not knowing how to succeed, but we can compensate for our lack of knowledge and set ourselves up for success through the wisdom and insight we can gain from others. Today, we're looking at our second major need when it comes to relationships, and to do it, we're looking at a passage from the Gospel of Mark. It goes like this. 
After John, the Baptist, had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. So the arrest of John the Baptist signals to Jesus that it was now his time to really step up his public ministry of preaching and teaching. And he begins this ministry in Galilee, which was in the northern part of Israel. Most Jewish people, at least pious Jews at that time, looked down on Galileans because they intermarried with Gentiles, which was forbidden according to Jewish law. And yet, and yet the prophet Isaiah had announced that when the Messiah did arrive, he would appear first in Galilee. Jesus intentionally began, begins his ministry there to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy. One of the themes of Mark's gospel is that Jesus lived a life of incredible intentionality. So Jesus launches his ministry in Galilee announcing, this is the time of fulfillment, the kingdom of God is at hand. There are two important ideas there. Jesus is saying that his coming, his mission, ministry, and message fulfill all the ancient prophecies. In fact, all of human history had been leading up to this point, the fullness of time, the fulfillment of time. God had been planning to send His Son into the world to redeem the world from the fall of the world in the Garden of Eden, calling Abraham, Moses, David, and all the prophets. He formed Israel into a nation all in preparation for this moment. The second major idea in this verse is that it conveys a sense of urgency. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here, it's now, it's arrived. So in this time of fullness and fulfillment, be prepared to respond to what God is doing. And he tells us how to respond, repent and believe. In the light of the fact that God is acting in a new and very special way, repent. Repentance is often misunderstood, but in its most basic form, it simply means a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change in behavior or a change in direction. Jesus says, recognize any of the many ways you have been walking away from God, turn back to God and believe. Believing is so much more than just acknowledging the existence of God. Belief means trusting God, trusting that God is greater than your problems, trusting that He wants good things for you, trusting that life is better with Him than without Him. Trusting that He is acting in human history and more importantly, acting in your story. Jesus launches His public ministry with this announcement and then take a look at what He does first. He begins forming a community of people, a circle of people around this amazing news. As He passed by the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets by the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. The first people that Jesus calls together to follow him were fishermen. That seems like a strange choice for his first followers, those who would eventually be in charge of the church and lead the church as his apostles. Why fishermen? 
Why strange? Well, because fishermen didn't have any influence or authority in society. They were looked down upon in society. They were poorly educated. They were poor. They lived a hand-to-mouth kind of existence of hard labor. Later, after the resurrection, when the apostles started preaching publicly and did so with boldness and authority and conviction, everybody was astonished because they were fishermen. So why fishermen? Why did Jesus begin with a group of fishermen? Scholars tell us there were perhaps a number of reasons, but the most basic reason is the simplest. The choice seems to underscore the point that anyone, everyone, can serve the Lord. No matter our status or station or stage of life, we can do great things with God and for God. The story goes on. Then they immediately abandoned their nets and followed him. Peter and, and Andrew don't hesitate to follow Jesus. They recognize the opportunity to follow him is the chance of a lifetime, and they immediately seize on that chance. Look what happens next. He walked along a little further and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat, mending their nets. Then he called them. The pattern is repeated. Jesus calls James and John, who were also fishermen. How do they respond? They left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. The sacrifice here is immediate and it's complete, leaving livelihood and relationships, family and friends. Sometimes we need to leave good things behind in pursuit of greater things. In making time for a small group this Lent, maybe you'll have to put aside some other relationships, some other activities, or at least put them on the back burner for now. James and John join Jesus and start following him. As we go on to read their story in the Gospels, along with Peter, they became not just Jesus' closest followers, but his closest friends. Jesus had his own small group, in a sense, you could say, the 12 apostles, 12 guys he invested in and spent time with. But Peter, James, and John, Peter, James, and John, however, stand in a class by themselves. They had a deeper access to Jesus than all the rest. Jesus took them with him everywhere they went. They were in all the key moments of his ministry. They saw him raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. They were with him at his amazing transfiguration. And he invited them specifically to pray with him the night before he died in the Garden of Gethsemane, his time of greatest need. Though he was the Son of God, he was a man who, like everybody else, needed friends with him on his journey, friends that knew him in a way others did not. He invited Peter, James, and John into a closer friendship, sharing with them some very special moments, extraordinary moments in which they got to know him and what he was about in a way that others did not. A second major category of relational nutrients we need is for people who get us. They just get us. They're present for us and understand us in a way others do not. Ideally, if you're married, your spouse would be one such person, 
But you need more than one. We need friends in faith who can identify with our current situation and share our story. Our story of trying to follow Jesus and build a company or be an authentic Christ follower out in the business world. Of trying to follow Jesus as a working mom with little kids or parenting teenagers. Of trying to follow Jesus and navigate the temptations and challenges of college life. We need friends in faith who understand our strengths and appreciate our struggles. We need friends in faith who can offer us comfort when we're falling and failing. We need friends in faith who serve as a safe place to vent when it comes to work or school or home life. And we need friends in faith who can celebrate with us when we're winning. But most of all, we need friends in faith to share our faith. That's our vision for the fruit of our small group community, that along with gaining greater wisdom and insight and better perspective on life, you also find comfort and care, understanding, acceptance, appreciation. Not at first, perhaps, but eventually, they can be environments where you get others and others get you. Now, it's true, of course, not everyone in your group is going to be a connection point for you. But here's the thing. Small groups can be, and often are, the pathway to those more significant connections. So, let me ask you a question. Who are the people right now, today, this morning, who identify with you on what it means to be a Christ follower and share your commitment to aspire to live a God-honoring life? Those kinds of relationships don't happen naturally in our culture. Mostly, they don't happen at all. And when they do happen, almost always, they happen intentionally. Our small group communities meant to be that intentional environment for you. So here's your homework for the week ahead. Go to our website and look for a group that will work for your schedule. Think about it, pray about it, talk to others about it if you need to, then come back next week ready to step up and get involved. In 2024, God wants to take your relationship with Him to the next level. It turns out there are people all around you who can help. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.